Welcome to Women's Wave, a podcast dedicated to defining, inspiring, and sustaining the authentic femme. Keeping it real today with us, we have... What's up, y'all? It's Erica Mo. Hey, everyone. It's Yes. Jamie. And I'm Eleanor Lucille. This episode is very special. Today, we're welcoming Des Boring of theboobsisback.com. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Welcome so much. We're really, really happy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, this is a very special episode. Uh, it's our Mother's Day episode. Happy May, everybody. What up, May? Hey. Here already. Um, Desiree, I'm really excited to have you. You're a very special mother to us. Um, I want you to uh, share your story. Oh, okay. Um, Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me here. Um, This is um, actually my very first podcast. I've never even, this is like very foreign to me, but I'm, I'm, it's it's really cool. Um, As far as my story, I mean, I don't know, I'm a mom. <laughs> and uh, to kind of get into my story, but I've been I've been around for a while as far as like social media goes. So I've done a lot of things as far as like streetwear. Um, I also did some blogging for a while, but um, but now pretty much my whole hustle is just being a mom and been doing that now for seven, eight years. And I just had a baby back in August. So that's another new venture. <sighs> Second child. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then the, you went through like different phases, right? So I know how I initially had heard of you was mm-hmm. through um, like early with brown babies type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had like mutual friends and I was like, dude, this dude, this girl like dresses dope. I remember you would always mention speak on your blog and that's what I like was like oh, a total yeah, speak fan girl. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is tight. Like, and um, so that's kind of how I became like mm-hmm. a follower of yours. Yeah. And then I saw you kind of go into like you were a chef for a while uh, at yeah. the Croft and yeah. That's what made me want to go there to get the poutine fries. I was Girl, like, damn, that so shit good. looks bomb. And then um, <laughs> I just kind of watched you transform from mm-hmm. like all of that into like motherhood. And then you did um, the mother blog. Yeah, that's the the boobs milk. Mm-hmm. I did that for a while because after I had my first child, Zoe, it was a weird transition. Like I was still doing the boobs blog back in the day, which was great. But I was in a new venture, which is being a mom. And so... I didn't really feel comfortable talking about the stuff that we were talking about, which was very sex driven. And, mm-hmm. and that's great because I, I still feel strong about certain things. But now I'm not really excited about talking about squirting. I'm more about like yeah. being, you know, talking about boob milk and all that and all that fun stuff. But so it was a weird transition. So I felt like, OK, I can't really put that on my old blog. So let me start something new. And it, and then it be just came more of like a personal thing for me. Yeah, I did that for a while. But I think the thing about being on the Internet is that you put yourself out there and sometimes you get really a lot of good responses and sometimes you get bad and at that time I think because I was such in a vulnerable state of being a mom I had people questioning me being a mother and Mm. that's why I was just like you know I think I'm gonna chill for a while so I stopped doing that for a little bit and I just kind of lived and did things Mm -hmm. which for me was cool but it was also weird because I had been had an online presence since I was 18 so I was so used to just writing things and being vocal and communicating with people over the internet. So it was very strange to be like, okay, now, girl, you got to live your life now without no internet. Yeah. So that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, then eventually I went back into other things and now I'm kind of in a weird spot. Like I'm in between things right now. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I think what drew or draws people to you, though, was that you were so open about kind of who you were Mm -hmm. and what you were doing. I think your blog, for me personally, helped me to embrace that, like, kind of sexier, like a little like no filter type of side of myself because you guys were very vocal about who you were about. Like you said, you guys were talking about everything from like hip hop music to vintage clothing to like squirting. Like, yeah. And then like featuring these women who were like very proud of themselves and very like they they just like promoted like positive body awareness. And then uh, I remember your Ryan Gosling story. And I was like, dude, this is so like she's just so transparent. And I love that about your (laughs) blog. And then kind of seeing you go into motherhood and like you still were yourself very much. And I don't think it ever came off as like a questionable thing. It was like this is a woman who's clearly growing and transformed into motherhood and still maintaining herself as far as like who you were. Yeah. You were just kind of like changing with the journey right but yeah i i love that you were able to transition from like what the boobs was into like who you are now and still kind of maintain that connection with the people who like read your blog or who were like followers of yours yeah well it's it's weird because right now we're in a weird spot where everybody is is all about like instagram and what's readily available to them whereas like back in the day you know you got to like read up on people and like you're you're more engaged in understanding them where now it's everything's just at face value like here's this oh here's my outfit here's that and so it's a weird transition for me because like that's not really what I'm about and I think maybe back in the day I was a little bit more about that but I still like to present myself in a way and so it's weirder now because I I feel like I'm adjusting to all of this but I still want to put myself out there and I feel like having blogs or it's it's such a it's such a dead concept now. Like it's it's non-existent. And I was actually talking about it with my girlfriend about it the other day. I was like, it's it's sad because that's that's such a outlet that I loved. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I can't hold on to that. Like now, I think everything's about these podcasts and and having these um, like YouTube videos or people want to see you for who you are and get to hear you. And I think that's a new concept which I haven't really grasped, but I'm I'm willing to try. Mm-hmm. So I want to be vulnerable to people because I feel that like everybody wants to connect with somebody mm-hmm. whether you've got a thousand hundred thousand followers or you've got 20 uh, 20 followers everybody wants some sort of weird connection mm-hmm. and they want to feel like they can relate to you so I have I have lots of people that hit me up daily just talking to me about stuff and I never go I don't know you like <laughs> yeah I'm like girl tell me about it tell me about your day like let's hear about it because I think for me I would like that if somebody did that to me mm-hmm. you know so I think that's just how how I feel like I am with social media and just connecting people in general. Like yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Like I don't I don't feel weird about it. Yeah. So especially if you put yourself out there like on social media and then you reach out to someone or someone puts themselves out there and then you reach out to them and they're like, I don't know you or like they're yeah. not receptive to it or they're mm-hmm. they're not the person that they paint themselves to be online and you're just like, Well that's a bummer. It's disappointing. Yeah, it's that's very what disappointing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It really turns you off and it makes you feel like like you were kind of vulnerable, vulnerable to them, mm-hmm. and you were opening yourself up, and now they're like, Ugh. yeah, you're like, mm. right. So. You know, I get people in my DMs sometimes, and I'm like, did you not read anything that I wrote? That's <laughs> true. I, I, I will say that. Um, there are times where I've had people where they come into my my DMs, and they literally, I, I mean, it's 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 often, and sometimes I'm just like, girl, like, okay. 
I, I get it. Like, why people come into my DMs and they just want to, like, complain about something. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm here to listen to you, but I don't really know you that well. So maybe you should be talking to your homegirl about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll, I'll entertain you for a little bit. But if you are blowing my, my, my DM up about this, this and that, I'm like, I'm, I can only give you so much. And I think that sometimes, like I said, people want a connection. And so it it, it, it's almost like they 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 like that you give them feedback, but then they're like, okay, hold on, let me let me see how much I can grab from you, yeah. you know. And then it becomes like, then you have to almost kind of put some boundaries. You got to mm-hmm. be like, mm, okay, like I'll be, we're good, but let's chill That's for a sec. You just text back an emoji, <laughs> <laughs> then that just like closes the conversation. Or, or, you, or you put it, or you put it on, <laughs> you put it on scene, and then you put like a heart, like yeah, oh, I, I see it, I see your it. stuff, girl, but. <laughs> But I'm not, not going to engage any longer. <laughs> I'm done I got here. shit to do. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. It's crazy. We're like, it's funny. I just feel as millennials, we're just adjusting. Uh, the individual is expected to be at a more high functioning capacity than our predecessors. Um, I, I'm comparing myself, speaking of mothers, to my mom, who's Generation X, who uh, she communicates with me in a very interesting way like she's always utilizing facebook which i i hate facebook that's like my least favorite form of uh, social media uh and yes i am an instagram girl and like she that i don't know if it's that generation but she has more followers than me but she just (laughs) doesn't utilize that platform that way uh, and so I feel like because of that high functioning uh, expectation, our instant gratification of intention is is uh, even more so uh, with this generation. So that's why, uh, you know, reading something such as the blog is kind of falling off in on the Internet trend. But myself being the millennial and us being the millennials that we are, we are the generation of millennials that are the last group to have experienced the pre-Internet time of humanity right <laughs> um i feel inclined like i love writing blogs and i'm constantly trying to at least once a month culminate everything like the experience or the feeling and put it into a blog because i feel and i do have friends that read my blog and afterwards they're like whoa there's a lot in your head and I'm like yeah i don't i don't have time to say all of this out loud but also you're right yeah i i also like podcasts but this is uh, something that I feel is really new, new media for a lot right. of people, because most people, when they're listening to something, they're listening to music. And the, I, I think it's a new concept to engage with a almost one sided conversation, which are what like a lot of podcasts are. But anyways, I'm tangenting. What I really wanted to ask <laughs> was, how do you uh, integrate this internet age with motherhood? Do you have like a limitation you put on your, with your kids? As far as, well, my daughter, I, I don't allow her to really even be on the internet. I, I actually, um, I'm extremely vocal about, even slightly aggressive about my daughter having any type of access to a lot of electronics like she'll play video games at our house but I can monitor that mm-hmm. we used to have a tablet when she was younger because I mean that was kind of the thing every kid had a tablet and we'd... but after after her her diagnosis which I mean she, I was kind of like you know what it to me I feel like this is not helpful for her I feel like it's even it's more detrimental to her so I, I I was very just like you know I don't really want her on it and even when she would go and visit like my grandmother, uh, I mean her grandmother I was very vocal about like do not give her this tablet I don't if you do give it to her give it for ten minutes I want you to watch it because I think the thing that's really scary now right now about this day and age is that 
everything is so ready available, first of all, at these kids' fingertips. And, mm-hmm. you know, even just going on YouTube, which which is so, you think it's really not anything because you can monitor it. You're like, oh, they're watching these these nursery rhymes or whatever. And then you go and you see that, no, the next the next video to watch after that is uh, Anna and Elsa uh, being uh, in some sort of bondage. And I've and it's that. and it's all characterized oh and gosh. it's very and it's it's supposed to be geared towards a child touch like like clicking on it like it's very very it's very marketed to that like it's and that's the thing that's really scary is that if you don't monitor these things your kids are watching these things over and over and over again and and you're allowing them just to see these things and so that's what makes me really weary I mean obviously we can't protect our children from everything but if I can withhold something like that from her just until she's a little bit older so she understands especially with how she is then that's something that I'm going to have to do and then like as far as like phones and whatnot like she doesn't even she'll try to get my phone I'm like girl what are you doing you better put that back she goes it's my phone I was like I don't think so you better put it back (laughs) because you know but um, as far as the internet I know that they have they allow internet access and stuff at her school but um, it's it's very closely monitored, and um, I think that I, I, I just, for me, I'm just like, mm, like really careful with that, just because I've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen like how easy it is to click on something, mm-hmm. and then something pops up, and that's something yeah. that a child should just not be able to see readily available. Yeah, those know? videos, they are. I know that they, when they upload them, they include specific tags mm-hmm. that are like geared towards if they're watching like a Frozen video or something. When that article came out, I sent that to my brother. I sent that to my friends and kids. I was like, I said to my mom, like, like it looks like they're watching Frozen or whatever. The one I saw too was like Shrek impregnating yes. someone from Frozen, and I was like, what the hell? There my niece loves YouTube, so I was freaking out. People who are clearly they have some issues because this these are children they're gearing it towards. I remember the first time that I was exposed to something like that. I was in sixth grade so I was 11 years old I was at the library and uh, back in the day communicating with my mom was absolutely not on Facebook it was at the payphone. like hey Mm, mom I made it to the library Mm -hmm. I'll be here when you come to pick me up and of course at the library they had internet access and that's when Zanga was popping so like Mm. somebody (laughs) taught me about Zanga and I got a Zanga and then they were like have you ever been on newground.com and I'm like no what is that so I go and it's like a like Comedy Central but on the internet you know how like the humor is like really really crude and terrible oh, yeah, yeah. and then there was like a dance video for Britney Spears and of course I'm 11 Britney's popping <laughs> I want to see the yeah. dance video <laughs> and it turns out to be this cartoon it has Britney's face but she's getting like it's a sexually explicit video and it's loud and it's making noise in the library oh, and it's gosh. like you hear like the moaning and I'm like trying to shut it <laughs> off and like it was so bad but I can't imagine now you have like my nephews my best friend but I call her kids yeah. my nephews they're like four years old two years old one just the last one just turned one and they're on the iPad all the time or she actually is really good about like what are you watching what are you doing and she'll maybe have them watch TV instead because she can see what's happening Mm -hmm. but that's really just a whole new level of scary it's very it's super scary and that's why I'm just like uh like I I, I don't even know how to I wouldn't even know how to explain that to my daughter Mm -hmm. first Mm of all And, and you know like the fact that it's just it's there and then on on and you know we know that you know once you get a cell phone that just opens up like a whole another 
ballpark of problems because you know there's all these predators i mean there's predators everywhere you yeah, can't you yes. can't like i live in brea okay and and there's predators in brea and brea is really fucking nice like mm-hmm. i'm like girl like you know we got this yeah. we got two homeless people in this whole fucking place like why <laughs> is there predators around here but yeah, it's, but it's, it's it's everywhere it's everywhere mm-hmm. and you just you can't you just have to be precaution just have to take precaution with stuff my daughter is like she just like does not understand it she's like mom i don't understand why you have to have my passwords to like all these things and i'm like well you having these things in the first place that's a privilege mm-hmm. and me having the passwords isn't that i don't trust you it's just that i don't really trust the rest of mm-hmm. the world yeah. and i want to monitor these things as your parent that's what i'm supposed to do if yeah. i was like girl go out and snapchat whatever you want like really what am i doing as a parent for you then like no well you remember back in the day when you were like 12 or 13 like Mm-mm. Girl, yes. Girl. <laughs> I was innocent, okay? Like, like, you, were, you weren't at the library, though. You were, playing, <laughs> you were playing Snake on your Nokia phone. Girl, girl you got to be real, though. Okay, I was crazy. Um, if my mom's listening, she's going to freak out. What I would go on MySpace. So I lived in Colton, San Bernardino. Mm. And there was all the shows were in L.A. So what, and I didn't have a car. My parents wouldn't even let me drive. Like, they didn't let me, I didn't get my license until I was, like, 22. Girl. <laughs> Same girl. I got my one. I was a late. So I would go on MySpace and I would find people that were like going to the shows in LA and I would just like get a ride. Oh my God. Brand and new instant friends over music and like the whole, I don't know, maybe that's why I practiced this charm, you know, like the <laughs> whole ride. covering your ears right now. No, no, no. Don't, don't you dare. There's no She's MySpace. She's all taking notes. But like. Haley, I got a tracker on your phone. I would just try to take a ride with someone. <laughs> yeah. Back then I was just like me on my freaking razor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's I cannot believe I would do I did that like three times me and my cousin it was her idea <laughs> we, we would just go on MySpace and be like yeah going to distillers and sometimes so the first time we did that it was like for Jimmy Kimmel and then another time Jimmy. we literally yeah we bought tickets didn't have a ride and I can't believe I took that risk so you know, even myself, I'm like so wise. Mm. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> but we take dumb risks. You got to be careful with kids. That's how we get we're wise. Stupid kids. When, <laughs> yeah. we're, when we're young, we dumb. Like we don't. Yeah. We just we're like, hey, why not? And our and we don't know better. You and I think, think, yeah, you don't have that perspective, and you don't think about the consequences yeah. and like what can really happen because everything's just like a story to you. Like, oh yeah, I heard that on the news, but that ain't gonna happen to me. Mm-mm. You know, girl, my mom used to watch Lifetime movies like religiously. Oh my gosh, and every yes, her life. every like. Like horrible like scenario you can imagine happened in these movies. Yeah. But also too, these movies were always casted with like very like white families. White family. So I was like, oh, it's not, nothing bad's gonna happen to me. <laughs> like, this white? only like... happens in suburbia. Like <laughs> girls only get kidnapped from like suburban areas. They don't kidnap oh, girls God. in the hood. So I'm good. Like I, I was like scared, but I was like, nah, I'm in the hood. I'm good out here. Like, oh my gosh, the hood. <laughs> That's good. Back to talking about how you regulate like time on the internet mm-hmm. with your daughter. You've been very open about your daughter and and her being on the spectrum. Yes. Um, and it's awesome. I used to work with kids with autism, so it's like. Oh, it, it's They're like great. a special place in my heart. Yeah. But um, I think it speaks to you as a mother because I think that's such a like just a thing that parents do is that they just give their kid an iPad and they give them like, oh, here's play this game or whatever. And it's like you're not you know, you're not helping. And, and it's kind of I feel like it's it makes it so that the parent doesn't have to deal with the child. Well, right. It becomes the babysitter. And that's and the thing is, is that like the very first two years, I, I mean, 
the very first, yeah, first two years of Zoe's life, I was like, I had the iPad, I had my phone, and I'd be like, oh, look how cute she playing an app. Like, she knows what she's doing. But I didn't know better because at the time, that's when those things were flourishing. So you figured that's like the new thing to get. And it wasn't until, obviously, um, we suspected things. Um, and that's when I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just going to cut it out. She doesn't need these things. And mm-hmm. um, I noticed these kids. And I see iPads everywhere. It, it actually, it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves. You know, you go to a restaurant. They have, you, you, you sit down and the kid has an iPad in front of them. And then everyone is sitting there and talking. And the kid's not engaging at all. Mm-hmm. And then you go to like, I went to McDonald's the other day in the playground. They got iPads in the playground. Oh, they have them on the table ha- now too. Like that is games. insane to me. Because it's like, you're you're taking away... Um, I mean, it's not even just kids on the spectrum, but kids in general, like mm-hmm. you're, you're showing them how to not engage socially with other people, not kids, but just p- people, people in general. People. Yeah. And so and then imagine taking that iPad away from that child. Imagine yeah. saying, oh OK, I'm gosh. taking this. It's 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 it's, it's, I've it's seen it, yeah. bad. It's also what desensitizing uh, children and how they uh, control their emotions. Yes. So they're becoming emotional un- emotionally unintelligent and they don't know how to deal with their own emotions because this media is being fed to them but it it's not receiving. Right, exactly. So they it's, had a word for it. Um the news called it fubbing. So like snubbing, Mm -hmm. but they call it fubbing now where kids will be on the phone or the tablet and not paying attention. And that's like a an actual term like Webster. It just sounds ugly. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. It's it's altering uh, the conscious patterns of our future for that generation. And that's and that's the thing, too, is that these kids like they. They think like parents think that it's it's beneficial for them right now because why the kids quiet like they're getting what they want. The parent doesn't have to really parent as hard when they're out. They're just like, here you go. Here's the phone. Like I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen babies with phones yeah. and that mm-hmm. kills me. I'm just like your baby doesn't need a phone. Your baby needs toys to play with. Mm-hmm. Your baby needs you to engage and talk with them. I'm not saying that parents don't engage. But what I'm saying is that. If you're handing your baby a phone more than you're engaging with that child, mm-hmm. then then Definitely. that baby is not getting any type of social interaction. And that's why some kids talk later. That's why some kids, they don't have social interactions as easily. And so they have troubles in school. It's because you're implementing this so early on and you shouldn't be. And I think... I think as this generation, we didn't have that. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, when we were kids, yeah. we went outside and played. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, other. yeah, we went outside and played. We'd be out there all for hours at a time, just using our imagination. And then we would come home and, like, uh, you know, eat dinner, watch TV for a little bit, and then that was it. Um, but now everything is such, it's just information, like you said, information being fed to us and we're, and nothing is coming out. The internet was, like, a privilege when oh, we girl. were kids. Like, not everybody had the internet at one point. Yeah, you know? Like, if the homegirl had it, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go to her house because she uh-huh. got the internet, but I'm not going to tell my mom that because then she's going to be like, <laughs> what are you guys doing there? Yeah, Remember the my line. friend had web TV, and I was like, mind blown. <laughs> and we would just sit in her house and look up pictures of NSYNC for, oh my God. like, hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were best friends back then, too. <laughs> but see, this is where I was a little bit more, like, of a baby ratchet than you were because eventually that segued into us looking at porn at one point oh, yeah. and that's like I was like oh, I was not doing that it wasn't me who like, I'm just just side note I did not initiate that I Maybe. did on accident <laughs> there was intention in my story but I mean it was 
scary. So we were just like, oh, no, let's go back and look at Justin Timberlake and JC because they're so wholesome. But yeah, like there's so much room for you to be able to your kids to be able to access whatever at this point. Right. Like then it was like we had an opportunity and we were like, yo, we're on Web TV or uh, your mom's not here. Like, let's do this. And we never went back from there. Now they, they could just pull it up anytime mm. they want. Like I saw a tweet the other day that I was like dying at. And the girl said, um, you have to remember, like, when you're dealing with certain people, that not all children were actually parented. That at some point, there were some kids who were just tolerated and sat in front of a TV with a Capri Sun and chicken nuggets. And that was, like, oh their upbringing. Gosh, yeah. And that's the same that's for now. Sad. Like, there's kids who are just tolerated and entertained with a Capri Sun and an iPad. or yeah. like, And you have to kind of, like, take that into accountability when you're dealing with people. Well, And then for future reference, like, those children are going to carry on that lack of social, like, engagement as they get older. Right. They're just used to that screen. Yeah. Well, we got to take a musical intermission. Right now, we're taking off with one of Selection's finest, Sasha Marie. Baby girl, we can do all the things you want to do. Baby girl, we can do all the things you want to do. soundcloud.com slash Sasha Sasha Marie and visit sashamarie.co for those downloads. Now we're going to get into one of my favorite segments. Inspiration exclamation. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where uh, we usually talk about something that inspires us. And this week, Des, you are what inspires us. Uh, you're a- an amazing mother. Thank you. Um, you are uh, definitely dealing with more than just motherhood. Uh, we want to talk about all that you do for the autistic community, and uh, and yeah, how y- how you've um, come to terms with uh, things about your daughter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, mm, okay. So pretty much, my daughter, like you know. It was uh, it was really weird the way that we kind of uh, developed into things. Uh, she was two and a half, and um, she was at a babysitter's. Um, and the babysitter she uh, she called me one day, and she basically told me she says, you know, I think that she's on the spectrum. 
And my first reaction was like, bitch, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you don't even know my daughter. Like, girl, bye. Like, how dare you call me up here and say stuff like that? And I got really upset about it. And after about a few hours of being angry and being upset and calling my mom, calling whoever, um, you know, I started thinking like, okay, like I can be in denial about something or I can just see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So we uh, contacted the regional center. We contacted, because we didn't know which way to go. So I just started like looking up things. So we got like the necessary people involved and they did an evaluation, but it wasn't a diagnosis. So they did an evaluation. They said, you know, I can't give you a diagnosis, but she seems like she is. Now, mind you, she was two and a half. And I'm like, how could you tell? Like she's a a baby, like she's a toddler. Um, but they were like, let's, you know, just to be safe, let's start getting her um, in classes. And so from age two and a half um, till about five, she was doing therapy and classes. Um, and around when she got five, we finally got her diagnosed. And it was honestly, it was to me, it was it was bittersweet because it was like a bummer because I was like really hoping that she wasn't because for at least a year, people were saying she's not artistic like she doesn't carry those you know those qualities she's not doing all that or you know and then I think like well she's has these behaviors so when she finally got diagnosed I was like okay I felt relieved almost because mm-hmm. I was like now I know which way we can go mm-hmm. so Zoe she is seven and a half now so she's been in um, been doing behavioral therapy now for like the last two years uh, she's doing about four to five days a week and she goes for a few hours and um, to her it's play yeah. She loves it. Um, there was some times in the very beginning that it was a little bit difficult for her because they were a little bit more like, okay, like you're going to have to do these things now. Because mm-hmm. with Zoe, she has a little bit of, um, she gets anxiety with certain things, you know? And so they were a little bit more like pushing on her and she wasn't used to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a very interesting ride because I went from... I didn't think that I was going to be having to take my daughter to behavioral therapy four or five days a week, then taking her to speech therapy twice a week, mm-hmm. you know, that on top of, and, and that on top of school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my husband was always like, well, we should put her in like an activity. And I'm like, where, yeah. like, where are we going to put an activity? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have no more room for that. And so it's been hard because I do want to get an activity. She's a very active child. She loves to like play basketball. She loves all these different things, just like any child would. Um, but I'm just like, I don't know where I can fit that. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, so it's it's been a very interesting ride because kids on the spectrum, um, there's a really misperception about who they are. And the thing is, is that when you think of autistic children or people in general, um, it's either very, very uh, severe mm-hmm. or like more like they're a savant, like they're like, oh, they're, they, they like numbers and they can count and they're like this, this and that. And so they're on two different ends of the spectrum. And the, the thing that um, that I'd like to let people know is that it's so wide. Yeah. And that's something that I've seen with kids, even just being involved, like taking my daughter to therapy. And like when I take her to therapy, I ask therapist questions. I said, what's going on with here? Hey, I noticed she's doing this. Hey, this, this and that. Because I feel like the more I talk with them, the more that they can give me feedback on how to work with her or I have an idea of what they're doing so I can help implement that in the home or even in school. I like to tie everything together because I feel like these kids, they strive on routine. So yes. if, if if one thing is happening one place, it needs to happen in other yes. ends of the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? So the thing about these kids is that there, I feel like there's been like the word autistic has such a negative 
tone to it. Mm-hmm. And you meet these kids and they're amazing. Like some of them, I'm just like, I'm so like excited about talking to them. When I go into these, the, the therapy and I talk to their kids and, and I engage with them and they're very, they're very smart. That's the one thing. But they're just particular. That's mm-hmm. the only thing about these kids is that they're just particular. And um, the one thing that I want people to understand is that, you know, autism for me hasn't been like a negative thing in my life. You know, it's all it has been is just now I have to really pay attention to how to work with my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like some people are just like, you know, like I said, give him an iPad, whatever. I'm like, yeah. I can't do that. If I give her an iPad, that's that's going to sh- shut her off even more socially. Mm-hmm. And you're also involved in the autistic community. You're about to leave to an event uh, shortly as yeah. soon as we're done recording. Um, this is, we're recording in April. I know it's May, um, <laughs> but it's National Autis- Autism Awareness Month. Um, what else do you do in that community? Well, I mean, I just try to be more vocal about things like I, I a lot of my friends don't know about autism like mm-hmm. I actually had a friend the other day a really good friend of mine who she's like what, what does she do what's what's autistic about her and I was like it's not what she does is the things that sometimes she just she can't do or the things that she has issues with and it's not necessarily her being autistic it's just her being this way mm-hmm. and as far as like the community goes um you know I try to engage with other parents about it um, you know, when there's events for her, like that's available, I try to take her to those things. Um, I try to just have her engage with, with, with more kids. I, I try to have her be more social, um, especially within that community. But it, it's, it's very strange. It still feels like it's a little shut off. That's, that's all it is. And that's something that we have to, to work with. And yo, shout out to Chuck E. Cheese and Sesame Street for including <laughs> the autistic community and their brand. Um, I don't know if uh, I'm sure you know about uh, yeah. the, uh, the Sunday sensory. It's for Chuck. Yeah. yeah you're sensory about, yeah. <laughs> Sunday. So uh, every Sunday, Chuck E. Cheese opens up two hours earlier and they close off the facility for uh, sensory sensitive Sundays. That's what it's called. Yeah. Sensory sensitive kids. And I think that's great because that gives a more public opportunity for that community to interact with each other and yeah for parents to meet up and interact as well right well it, it helps kids you know and it helps them and it helps the ki- as the parents of those children mm-hmm. how do you feel about the sesame street uh autistic puppet her name's julia she's very sweet i love the storyline with with this it's funny because I have her book and we don't, my daughter doesn't really like Sesame Street, but she loves to read. So I was like, I'll get you the book. Um, the one thing I love about the um, Sesame Street one is um, there's a lot of, of these movements um, where the, the she puts her hand, hands over her head. Mm-hmm. And my daughter does that all of the time. She does that when she was a kid. She doesn't, she does it now, but not as frequent, but it's, it's more of a, um, it, I, I never knew why she did it. I was like, what's going on? Like, what, what's wrong with her ears? And so once I realized it's just it's for her to feel comfortable, or she's unsure of something and she's covering her ears, that's when I was like, oh, okay. And so the fact that they have that in this book for this character and the character also likes to stack things up or she's she does some stimming, like, mm-hmm. that to me is, like, that's that's these children, like, being able to see, like, oh, like, we are, we, we are, there is something, to, like, that's something that we, we, we familiarize ourselves yeah. with, you know? That that ten minute video, the um, introduction to Julie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a it's like on YouTube. I think like when you said like your friends are like, what is autism? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great video to watch to understand. There's a point where 
um, Big Bird's like, I think she doesn't like me. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. It's like, no, you don't understand. So they have to explain to him why Julia behaves a certain way. And um, I mean, I think that it's really awesome that we're starting to educate people more and more on autism. There are um, there's like a few shows, Atypical on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. I, I I will say this. There is. I ha, I am not a big fan of that show, <laughs> and I was pretty vocal about it. But, but I mean, I think it's. I think for what it is, I think it's great that that that's a show for the community. Yeah. Um, to educate a little. Bit. Just something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like how it came across, like I was kind of like, mm, you know, there's there were some things that were missing. But yeah, that's something that they can work on in the future. So. And like you said, every child is different, and I think that's something that people really need to understand is that every child whether on the spectrum or not every child is different so we really need to pay attention to what their needs are um and and really educate people on what it is and you're absolutely right every single time i've worked with children with on the spectrum or just children with disabilities in general they're very smart extremely don't like don't get it twisted Mm -hmm. these kids are very smart it's just that they have you know different things that they they're dealing with and and people really need to be um you know, treat them, treat them the same as anybody else um, and just have that that respect and also just be open to hearing about what is really going on um, with these children. Um, I, I just think it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that we're getting more education. Yeah. Can I ask? Um, I've never worked with children with autism. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have that in my family. So for me, I'm kind of like an outsider, much right. like your friends are. And yes, he's saying, you know, these kids are really smart, which I can assume that's accurate. But she says, but they have different things that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Can you explain maybe for listeners like me who don't really know what are some things that autistic children deal with that make them a part of the spectrum? So. The best way I can describe it for a lot of these kids, imagine imagine you're in, in a room and you've got the TV on, you've got clocks going, you've got um, the wind blowing, you've got this, you've, you've got so many things going on and you're just sitting there and you don't know how to process it all. You're sitting there going and, and it becomes where just like you start to feel overwhelmed because you're sensory overload mm-hmm. and these kids, that's a common thing for them daily. You know, and a lot of times when they have these meltdowns or they stim, which is is it's there's different varieties of stimming. It's more for them to calm themselves down because they don't know how to process things where it's like for us, we can say like, oh, wow, there's the, you know, the the TV's on or the lights on or whatever. Like for them, sometimes that's too much for them. And um, but there's different there's different variations like kids, you know, like my daughter, she has um, an issue with food. And um, she's very picky, but, you know, people say, oh, she's picky. Like, well, that's because you don't know how to, like, give her food or, or you don't know how to like, feed her properly. And I'm like, no, she has um, she she will have a physical screaming match, kicking and, and 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 wanting to just kick and punch and do all that stuff. When when we try to give her a bite of food that she's not familiar with, whether it be the color, the texture, mm-hmm. the smell, something like that, it's it sets her off, and it's a working progress. Like my daughter, now she's seven. The other day, I was so I think I posted about it. Mm-hmm. She had a peanut butter sandwich which she's never had. She had it without zero problems. She had some prompts, meaning like, okay, we're gonna do this, but she didn't she didn't have a meltdown. And for me, that was like a huge step. I called my mother, mm-hmm. I called my mother-in-law, I called my husband, like we were so happy. I was so proud of her. And it's these little things that these children like that 
they they go through and it's it's hard for them but for us it's just kind of like well she's just a peanut butter sandwich like it's not yeah. that big of a deal but we're like no you don't understand yeah. it's a huge thing and with a lot of children that um, have disabilities and are on the spectrum, they love routine. So yes. that so that's one thing. Like when something switches up, like if a kid goes to school and their teacher's not there, they may freak out because they're just used to that to, to what it is every single day. That Can out. you guys explain <laughs> stimming? Because I remember oh, yes. you yes. Uh, you posted that um, I, it was a meme, right? Yeah. Like about w- what you do in your household. Yes. And I sent it to Yesenia <clears> because <throat> I knew she would like love it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not really quite sure though. Like I'm I'm assuming that's a um, a abbreviation for stim stimulation? stimulation yeah so stimulation. self it's self stimulation mm-hmm. and um it's just like okay like say for example you you bite your nails mm-hmm. or you tap on the table or you you know crunch paper up in your hands um that's pretty much what a self stim is for you but a lot of kids on the in the spectrum um they're they're stimming uh, it's different variations of it so some kids will flap their hands mm-hmm. some kids will rock some mm-hmm. kids will like jump up and, and down it's just it really depends so but my daughter when she was she's she's gone through stages with stimming like right now um so okay when she was younger, she used to do a stim where she looked like she was going to, like, burst of energy. Mm-hmm. Her whole body would shake. like, And she would do it on purpose. Like, she knew she was doing it. And then after I had my son, which was a huge change for her, and mm-hmm. then she went to school full time, she started stimming with her eyes. Well, it's kind of weird. Like, she would kind of, like, open her eyes really big and then turn her head. Mm-hmm. So it looked like she was, like, kind of focusing, but it was very strange, a very strange movement. And then when around... Thanksgiving, she started stimming with her nose, and it was like, you know, if, like it looks like you got like a little like itch in your nose. Yeah, well, a little she, rabbit. Well, she wiggle. was doing it every like ten seconds. Mm-hmm. This, this whole thing, and it got to the point where people were like, "What's going on with her nose?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "Is she stimming? Just yeah. uh, leave her alone." Yeah. And then the reason, the thing is, is that I don't really interfere with her stimming because it doesn't. It's not. It's not preventing her from doing her things. Mm-hmm. Like she's able to still like do her homework she's still able to do these things it's all just for her to feel comfortable and so that's why for me I'm like okay I'll, I'll let her stim like I'll let her mm-hmm. like that's for her to get her and then eventually she stops like yeah. there are times where she'll stop stimming and then it won't happen for a while thank you so much for explaining yeah. that because I didn't even know about yeah. that about <laughs> the community uh, we're going to move on now to Roundup the Roundup So this part of the show, we're going to get a little personal. I want to draw attention to uh, our Femme Friday comment. A couple of weeks ago during the UCR alumni edition, uh, Vanessa Barrios, our featured Femme, stated she wished women would discuss the relationships that they had with their families more in their friend circles. This would help others see parallels that would regularly not be seen by just the merits of friendship. And I really like this idea not to compare ourselves to each other's families, but just to learn of uh, different traditions and uh, and values and, you know, levels of uh, intimacy as well. Um, so spill it, ladies. We're all so different. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, this is just the iceberg of the discussion. My mom is my homegirl, um, but my mom is my mom number one. No matter what, like the whole like, I'm not your friend. I grew up with that. And it's still that way. There are some things that um, now as a woman, 
who is her own person and has had her own relationships, um, my mother and I can have more open and honest conversations. And I've never really lied to my mom. You know, maybe I've kept some things to myself that are for my own life. But I always know that, like, if I'm like, Mom, I murdered someone and the body's here, <laughs> she would be like, okay, girl, you going to jail, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. You know? um, so... That for me has always been a really interesting experience because my mom has been everybody's mom at some point in my <coughs> inner circle um, to be that mom for like advice because she's not the home girl. You right, know what I right, mean? Right. She's not the one who's going to let you drink in the backyard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's the one who's like, sabes que mija, you shouldn't wear tampons because there's bleach in those things. Mm -hmm. Like, don't put your purse on the floor. Like, don't date that pendejo. <laughs> she's that one um so my mom is is my best friend and as i've gotten older there are parts of my mom's personality that i realize i'm like just like her and there mm -hmm. are other parts that we're the complete opposite there are absolutely times my mom and i like oh we butt heads <coughs> because i'm not very conservative and she is quite conservative the one thing i will say is that um over time and i and i hope that this goes for anyone who's a parent trying to find that balance of being a friend and being a mom. Um, my mom was always very vocal about the things that she didn't agree with. Um, but now it's gotten to the point where I can be myself and I can be genuine with my mom and I can tell her, look, you believe all this stuff, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Or you live your life this way, but I don't. And my mom has come to terms with the fact that maybe even though she doesn't agree or always condone, she respects the way that I choose to live my life. So um, that's the relationship I have with my mom. Overall, it's healthy. It's taken us a lot to get there, but my mom and I have gone through a lot together. Um, so I think that that has a big, uh, you know, we were kind of in the same war together when I was growing up, you know, just the things that happened in life. And so that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. It's very similar, like me and my mom, she's my homegirl, my best friend, um, but she's a younger mom. And so it's not, it's only now that she's starting to be that mom standard, not standard, that's not a good word, but vocalize herself as a mother. I think she wasn't trying to be my best friend growing up, but because she's, um, she, she, my mom had me when she was 19, because she's a younger mom, she was a little more understanding. And m my, the mother that really raised me was my grandma, who had my mom when uh, she was 38 and so she's an older mother and there was just a lot of generation gap so I saw my grandmother as the matriarch and just in it, the lack of attention and the and a lot of uh, activities I saw my mom doing I didn't have the respect for her as a mother I had a respect for her at the level of oh she's my older sister type thing mm -hmm. in my mind um, but over the years, we worked on that. Um, I, I pretty much after college, I didn't even speak to my mom for like three years. From my mom didn't even come to my college graduation. It's funny, I, and I, but from graduation to three years after, I was just kind of like, no, my grandma's my mom. Even I like I took the LSAT in 2014, and I. I got a 149, guys. Like, I'm just admitting it. But so that's why I'm not a lawyer. Um, and so I called my grandma 
And my grandma had Alzheimer's already at this point, and but she could still communicate back. And my grandma was just saying, you know, you don't you don't have to do that. You did your best. Very basic, general, but just the sound of her voice. I didn't call my mom, even though I knew my mom was of sound mind. And it's just it was just kind of like a practice. And then when I got off the phone with her, I realized like, you know, she's giving me the best advice that she possibly can, even though it was like so basic in in my grandma's condition. Um, And then I think that's when I started getting closer to my mom and to the point now where we tell each other everything. She's like out here giving me advice. She just moved to Oakland and gave me a bunch of stuff, including like a dragon TV. (laughs) And in the wires and stuff, she like packed a ton of condoms like in this box like all the wires and then like condoms and I'm like sitting there with my roommates unpacking it we're gonna set up the tv and I'm like oh sorry guys yeah that's my mom (laughs) because she's real Um, but it took years and years to get to this level and I'm so grateful for my relationship with her but you know growing up I saw her as a toxic person because she was not present in my life as I I saw my friend's mother's present in their life and you know I was also comparing her to my grandma and it took a maturity on my end to recognize that and it also took my mother to uh to kind of like sit down take the initiative because I was in the perspective that you're the mother you're the one that should so there was times too where she would like go out or like ask me to borrow money when I was in college and stuff and I would just be like you're my mother I should be the one asking you this I'm in college working like three jobs and trying to you know have a band and do school and everything and like I just I I was so harsh on her but now in hindsight I'm like mothers are people too (laughs) yeah you know so I've wised up to forgive her and it's crazy it takes a long time to go through that transition I know some of us are still going through transitions with our mothers so I'm actually um, going through that transition right now. My mom has more or less been a single parent for a majority of my life. Um, I was pretty much one of the only siblings, maybe along with the exception of my brothers, to see our mom in like a healthy relationship, to see her like really happy in the beginning while my father was still alive. And then beyond that, things got kind of bad for her. For one thing, I do give my mom the most credit in the world because she is such a survivor and such a strong woman. And what I've come to realize as an adult is that my mom was always just trying to get by. She was always trying to raise six children on her own in this like crazy area in San Bernardino, trying to keep us out of gangs, trying to keep us like just just keep our bills paid. And I think in all of that, she never really gave herself time to process my father's death. She never really processed her father's death. She never really processed a lot of things in life. And I think it just kind of built up inside of her to where now um, it created this kind of wall for both of us. Uh, She does have a a good relationship with my siblings, whereas with me, it's really not as as the same as theirs, I guess you could say. Um, We're both Virgos, so we butt heads a lot. uh, (laughs) And we do... I think we do have more in common with each other than we realize, but it never really gets to that point of conversation just because we we're, we both feel so strongly that we're right, I feel like. Um, and and it's hard. It's It has been a, 
it's been a journey, um, especially since I have a daughter of my own. And one thing I will say, too, is my mom is an amazing grandmother. Um, she she is just so loving and caring with her grandchildren. It's actually it's beautiful to watch. Um, but I have hope for where we're going in the future. I just know that currently um, it's maybe for our best interest if we kind of give each other some space and Eleanor hearing you talk about you know your your time with your mother how you went that time without talking to her um it it gives me a lot of like hope because I have that idea for the future but it's kind of hard to say you know I'm gonna take a step away from like the person who gave birth to me like that's hard girl you know Um, it's crazy my grandma and my mom are both Virgos and they never got along like they butt heads. Virgos. The Virgos, though. I think we're all Virgos. Yes, I was like, it's about to be like a very Virgo-heavy, Virgo-centric. And same thing. It wasn't until my mom already, my mom also had made it. She finished school way late, but she finished school, got a job, and still my grandma was already sick. She already had Alzheimer's, but she was just and her inclination was to be hostile with my mom, I think because she was used to always being hostile and disappointed with my mom, even after my mom made it. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, my grandma's is old, old, old tradition, you know, so it, when I hear your story, it it breaks my heart because I know how amazing you are. And you. it's not in my place to tell your family, you know, you need to have, you know, to say anything. But I... I hear those parallels, and so I have hope, too, you know. And my grandmother actually raised me, too, for a part of my life I was raised by my grandmother. Um, And I think that's something, too, that we should address at some point, maybe a little more in depth, is um, within some families that there there's like this like we cannot talk about certain things or we can't address certain things we have to um just kind of like let it be as it is because it's a it's family or whatever um that is something that we deal with a lot in my family is that you know it's it's kind of it's not okay to address certain things because it, it could become this huge issue which i feel like honestly I don't mind some chaos sometimes because when you get to the chaotic real shit, there's growth beyond that. And I, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a process. It's it's um, it's a process. It's something we're working on. I fucking love my mom, dude. She is a warrior ass woman. And I see so much of her, myself in her that it's scary. And. I have a daughter of my own now too, so me taking these steps is actually, it, even though some people think it's the opposite, me taking these steps is to better my relationship with my child because I want to create a new, I guess, dialogue for what motherhood should be within my family unit. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's this old tradition of they were all kind of raised a certain way and. Um, certain standards were okay whereas with my kid i'm like you guys said like your mom was your homegirl i'm Haley's homegirl but also she knows i'm her mom and at the end of the day like there's some shit that doesn't fly and like i love that i love that she's that comfortable to talk to me about certain things i love that she she's open with me about like boys and stuff i love we can go to music like to shows together like there are things with my daughter that i never was able to do with my mother and that's kind of what my hope for is like in taking this break from what my family basically is that I I just kind of want to like start fresh start a new Mm -hmm. page and and I know I mentally need to like figure some shit out for myself too and I I have hope for it like I said like 
It's so funny that you say Haley can talk to you about boys because I wasn't allowed to like boys until I was 18. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure my mom still thinks I'm a virgin. Really? So. <laughs> my mom was like, when I turned 15, she's like, do you want to start dating or do you want to wear makeup? And I already liked a boy and he liked me. Um, and so I just chose dating. And I that was my first love. We were together for like six years. Oh, my God. And I, so I... I was always comfortable with like not really wearing makeup for, for the real world. <laughs> now I'm out here like practicing mascara strokes. <laughs> Haley's like very um, selective of the things she shares. She's like she'll share a little tidbit, but her mother is a detective, so she will share just the mention of someone's name or something, and I'll go and find them on social media and like lurk the hell out of them. Well, so. like most Virgos are pretty detective. Yeah. Like, so. <laughs> we, we are. Yeah. We are. I mean, yeah. You know? We were talking about this yesterday, but my mom is definitely not my home girl. <laughs> I'm going to just say that right now. My mom know. is not my homegirl, <laughs> like straight up. My mom, she was born in Mexico. She married my dad at 19, and nine months later, holla at me. Mm. I was here. <laughs> um, and so to give you, to gain perspective, she had me at 19, and she, the next month she turned 20. She never really had an opportunity to to learn about herself and who she was. You know, she told me is this story that um, when she was in Mexico that she wanted to study to do I don't even know what, but her her parents gave her a choice to only study to become like a secretary or something because that's what was popping in Mexico or whatever. That was a job opportunity. And she's like, nah, I don't want to be a fucking secretary. So they were like, all right, well, then you won't go to school. She's like, well, fuck it, then I won't go to school. But, <laughs> you know, but, you know, she married my dad and, and she just became a mother, you know. Um, I think by like 23, she already had her three kids. And, and, you know, so my mom was a young mother. But I think because of that and because she had to, you know, hustle and, and start working and, and, and the, all those things, she never got a chance to really truly explore who she was. And because of that, I feel like she just doesn't know herself fully. And I think that she um, doesn't even realize the power she has as a mother, you know, the power that she has in the household and, and what she's done for me and my siblings um, my dad, you know, also he's from from Mexico, was born there. They're both um, immigrants and they, you know, carried on those traditions. And in a lot of ways, they're very um, modernized, I guess you can say, you know, open to certain things. But they're still very traditional. The The man is the final say in the house. And I'm not fucking cool with that, dude. <laughs> I love my dad. I love my dad. And I'm just like my dad because that's why I'm the strong woman I am, because my mom was very like would say something but then like all right you're you're we're gonna go with what your dad said but like my mom told me that my dad said something to her ye yesterday and i was like you better fucking tell him to shut the hell up you better, <laughs> you better do you girl so i think now my relationship with my mom is just like you know she she respects me a lot more because now i'm an adult and she sees me doing my thing and, and shining and, and doing it my way so she 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 hears me when i tell her things but now our my, our relationship is like just kind of you know, me pushing her to explore herself and me pushing her to stand up for herself because she never had that because her life was disinvested in her kids. And and now, you know, my youngest brother is 21 and, I'm, and I told her, you know, what are you going to do when we're all gone? You know, you're not going to have us all there forever. So you need to figure out what you want to do and what you need to explore who you are. And, and really tap into that because fuck that like I don't want you to to live this whole life and not have that true good un understanding of who you are and the type of person I am is that very strong person personality so I'm like girl do you so I mean now the relationship is just like you know having those conversations pushing her to be open to certain things and just 
pushing her to be the best version of herself, you know. And, and a lot of times she's like, Yesenia, this is just how I am. Así voy, así soy, así soy. I'm like, no, mom. This is this is an opportunity to be the better you, mom. And she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay. And then but she always tells me, not everybody's like you, Yesenia. Yeah, I do have a strong personality. And, you know, when people tell me I can't do something, I'll probably do it. But also, like, I'm her daughter and I got her back. And I'm a fucking pusher. And to do what she needs to do and make sure that she's happy until the fucking end. And that's it. I think you've definitely empowered your mom. I've like, I've seen it. And just through like everything you've told me, I feel like she has a little bit more of a voice for herself now. Or like she kind of, she, she pays more attention to like her feelings and her interests and stuff. As opposed to like in the beginning when she was just like, no, this is as, as it is and as it always shall be. Now she's a little bit more open, I think. How about you with your mom, Des? You know, it's funny um, because I'm my mom's actually really similar to yours. And but the thing is, is that my mom, you know, she's she's not from Mexico. She she was born in East LA. Um, but my mom, growing up, like she was a social butterfly. She was like she was like this really cute like '70s like party girl. And then she met my dad. My dad was like this like suave like Filipino like <laughs> like came in with his guitar and like swept after his feet. And then, um, you know, they got married and, uh, you know, she she had a lot to bring to their marriage um, and, and she still does. But I feel like as becoming a mother, her voice got silenced quite a bit. And it's not because she wanted to, it's because she realized that's not the role that I can play right now. Like this, mm-hmm. I need to be there for my children. And honestly, growing up, I mean, I was in the same, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I was kind of just like, like, well, I'm not going to be like that. When I become a mother, like, I'm going to be very vocal. I'm going to say what I got to say. And I'm my, my husband's going to listen to me. And I'm a blah, blah, blah. And I mean, yeah, that's how I am. But I almost used my mom's situation as, and I use it as a negative way. And I, I use that to push me to be a stronger person. Um, but the thing as becoming a mother, I realized, like, that's just her. That's her story. That's how she is. And no matter how many times I try to push her and to stick up for herself, you know, she's content with it. So I need to be able to be content with her being that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are times where I'm just like, mom, you know, you should, you should, you should tell your boss, like, fuck that. Like, and I tell the exact same thing. And she's like, you're right. You're right. And it, it takes her a while, but it's, it's, we're, we're there to be there for, for our moms. And the, the thing is, is that after you become a mother, you realize, like, the sacrifice that you that they mm-hmm. put for their children. And that's, after I had my after I had my daughter, I was like, oh, fuck, like, I get it, mom. Like, I get it. Like, I get why you were this way. And I, and I would tell her every day that, like, all the time that I just appreciate her now. I appreciate her, even though she's not like me. She's not aggressive. She's just, she's very much like, she just wants everybody to be happy, everything to be cool. Like, she wants everything to flow really well. Um, she's a Libra, so she's very social. Um, but that's just how she is. And instead of trying to spin it negatively, I just say, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I do see that there are things that I wouldn't want to bring to my marriage, but that's just her. And my her and my dad have been together. They've been married for over 30, almost some 30 plus years now and it's just kind of like that they they that's what works for them mm-hmm. and um you know my brother my brother is 32 i'm gonna be 34 and it's kind of like we're grown we have our own kids and and that's their life now it's to is to be with us and our grandkids and to just be social with us and and, and just enjoy that yeah and so like right now my mom she's she's actually she's a secretary but she's like uh she works for like home depot but she's like the like the president's like 
person that does everything but she's bomb at it she's like she's she she hustles like she's always out there she's like she's going to buy this she's going to she's she's like on top of stuff and she like she's she's very very good at what she does and then i think that's where she she feels like the most confident Mm -hmm. and i feel like okay like if you feel most confident there like go do your thing mom like Mm -hmm. that's that's all yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so i don't know The, the relationship i have with my mother has been through lots of up and downs because I went from me being aggressive um, and being like, why don't you stick up, blah, blah. And then now I'm just kind of just like in this like good groove with her. Mm-hmm. There are things that I don't agree with her. Like there are things that she does that I wouldn't do um, as a mother, but I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like for me, I'm that's just what I wouldn't wouldn't do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like Eleanor I, mentioned, too. Mothers are humans. So, exactly. like, yeah. you know, they're they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things that we don't agree with and vice versa right. with us. So. Right. And I really like that you said, uh, Yesenia and us, that you're you're just you feel that you are just trying to teach your mom. I think that's the very least a daughter could do is be a teacher. That's the best thing you, you can be, because every generation is going to be different. And so you're it's a gift that you brought into this world that also can better you. Well, I just want to touch base on, on, I mean, we're doing this, this thing about mothers, but I think in general, just about women, you know, I think right now women are obviously having to come up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and that's great. I think that's amazing. This should have happened 10, 15 years ago. Um, But I think it's great that it's doing it now. But I think that women right now need to understand the power they have, whether Mm -hmm. they're mothers, whether they're, you know, students, whether they're wives, whatever, like, most men are carried by the women in their life. And that's the thing that people seem to forget. And the fact that it's coming full circle now and we're doing this thing about mothers and matriarchs, mm-hmm. it's like, that's been long gone. Like, there's lots of stories back in the day where, like, there's a matriarch, there's goddesses, there's all these yeah. different things. And it's like, pay attention to those things now. Like, everyone's, like, really, like, enjoying that and feeling their power. And I think that just, it's great. Like, I think it's something that needs to be, like, brought down to our children, like, our the kids that, you know, that are around us. Like, to show that, like, look, this is your mom. She's not this this second second grade person. She's a person that carried you through. She's constantly carrying you through, you know, like understand how strong of a person she is and mm-hmm. she's always going to be strong she's going to be stronger as strong as she can till the till the last breath mm-hmm. and i think that's that's what's great about right now this yeah. this everything that's going on open up the vent exactly we're opening it up Woo! what's bugging you girl what up jamie i know you got some words i do have some words <laughs> dun, dun, dun. nothing's bugging me it's just something i learned this week that i want to share and i think it it goes really well with this episode because it's something that i uh recognized in having a discussion about my art and the inspiration behind my art and kind of um using my art to express myself and being very vulnerable and letting people get to know me. Um, Something about me is that I'm a very friendly person, but I'm an ambivert. I'm not an extrovert. You're not going to know me. I'm not an open book, Um, but I am very friendly. I'm really nice. And I tend to love people at arm's length. That's something that I do. I don't, you know, people don't really know my business. There's a lot of times I'll say things and even the girls here will be like, you like that? Or like what? Yeah. Like yeah, low key. I love yodeling. I'm with it. Uh, <laughs> I sent her your uh, your video that oh you posted God. of the yodeling remix when yeah. it drops in the club. Yeah, and I was like, I have to send this shit to Jamie. She's banging. I mean, you know, there's things that are. I'm I'm 
I grew up uh, with a lot of adults, and I grew up in uh, a household where it's like you kind of keep the secrets. What happens at home stays at home, and there was a lot of things going down at home. So I was very to myself. I was very quiet. I didn't confide in people. And and when I did confide in someone, the first time I was 18 years old, and things had already kind of come to a pass, and shortly after that, that person kind of fell out of my life for a little bit. It's one of my best friends, actually. Her and I, she's like my sister. She came back into my life. But in that moment, I felt such betrayal. Like, man, I told you everything. And like, now you're not even in my life. So it it made me close up even more. But I was discussing letting people know more about me and being very vulnerable and the inspiration behind my art and my purpose in life and how I want to heal people through my art. That's that's something that for me is super important is teaching women and children how to be resilient. You know, you're not what happened to you. There's more to life than what you've suffered. There's more to life than what you're suffering um, is a really big thing for me. And uh, one of the things that I had said is, you know, I don't want people to know me as the addict's daughter. And the response was, uh, I'm not going to let you do that. Your identity is not going to be based on somebody else's story. And I think that that's something that we do. You know what I mean? Like, I'm born of, you know, I'm born of people that are of immigrants, you know, mm-hmm. people who are not from this country, or I'm a daughter of such and such, or I'm a son of an addict, or my dad wasn't there, or my mom wasn't there, or mm-hmm. my mom did this, or my mom did that. And we base a lot of our identity on on other people's suffering, you know, especially um In my case, I am the daughter of immigrants, and that's a whole struggle in itself. Mm -hmm. And I base a lot of my identity thus far on the things that I had to endure as a child. But now I'm realizing that the things I endured as a child were my parents' story. They're not mine. Mm -hmm. And now as an adult, I get to write my own book, and it has nothing to do with my past. It has nothing to do with the things that I've suffered. So I just want to share that word of encouragement for anyone who's kind of finding themselves and finding their purpose and writing their own story. You know, it's okay to leave out the parts where your parents fucked up. It's absolutely okay to to leave out the part where your dad might have been a shitty dad or your mom might have been a shitty mom because you know what? That's their story. That's not yours. And maybe that kind of builds you into who you are and, and is a, a part of the reason why you are the way you are, but it's not who you are mm. and it's not your story. So you know, write write a fresh book, homie. Like it's it's okay. It's start <laughs> fresh and and be you and have your own story. There is more to life than what you've suffered, and that is my vent. Woo! I appreciate that. Woo! Reach. I I heard preaching on a Saturday. I always <laughs> I that that whole narrative. I always want to express to youth. You know, especially youth that come from low income, broken neighborhoods. You can always beat the statistic. You don't have to be, you don't have to repeat the same story that your parents told. And I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. You know, that you are your own book. You grew up that way, but that is not you. That is just what sta- what was given to you. And you have the power to make your own decisions from that moment forward. So thank you. Let's just get on something lighter. So Drake dropped a new song and me and Eric are very hyped because it's like our new anthem. And also the video is so fire. But I will say that Jay-Z and Beyonce are the first to put a bunch of stars in their videos. So Drake, you need to calm down. Yesenia will always fucking back Jay-Z before like anybody to the end of her days. And I love it. 
but I love me some Champagne Poppy. You guys, can we please talk about this song? Yessie and I were texting about it yesterday. She's like, you ready for that new Drake? And then that shit dropped and we were both at the same time texting each other. So the video has like this like totally badass female cast um, that just to name a few Olivia Wilde's in it Issa Rae Rashida Jones um, Tiffany Haddish is in it Zoe Saldana um, Sid is in it uh, Emma Roberts like that was like a super random one for me because I really love her when she plays like a bitchy character I just like I love that shit that's so, not a character girl that's her that, I know exactly. <laughs> <Come on now. laughs> she's true like, that is her she's she was actually mm. cut, she's like swimming in this one and I'm like oh she looks like she might be like kind of not a bitch but you know whatever um, <laughs> the song though First and foremost, fucking all what's my it, IG captions are like, uh, what's it called? <laughs> nice for what? Yeah, <laughs> it's story of her life. Yes, it is like I he dropped in. I was texting Yessie all the lyrics like girl and this one and this one. So I have like Instagram captions for the next month or so. So just be <laughs> expecting that from me. Um, also, I feel like in this video, OVO, I don't know what's going on at your offices, but clearly our invite to be in that video got lost somewhere. So we might have to talk to Trap your intern. Ass. I'm, exactly. <laughs> also, one of the things that I think we love the most about Drake is that he always writes tracks that are like relatable on some level to people like he just has this thing where yeah he uses like bitch and hoe and whatever but also like he knows how to speak to a lady and a woman's heart and I feel like once again OVO I feel like someone is from them either lurking my tweets or in my diary and I want a residual check right now because every time Drake drops some shit I'm like why is he doing this to me I have <laughs> never thought that Drake was speaking to my heart girl I, I, here's, I just I just start thinking about those Drake memes back in the day where it's like Drake drapes the type of fool that will like fart in a toilet, you know, like like he like I'm not I'm not a Drake I'm not a Drake fan I've never, I haven't even seen the video I mean I I I obviously will watch stuff on on social media or just like in general but I I've never gotten that Drake wave I don't know. I, I tried not to. Cause... I I, tr- I resisted. I was yeah, like, fuck same. that. I ain't gonna be about this Drake life. And then like, Anthony is like huge Drake fan. I like how he gives too. money away. That was yeah. cool. That was, I was real cool, that. right? Like, I was like, that's that's nice. And I was in life. Yeah, I was like, where's, where's you're my like, paper? maybe I'll be that girl for Drake when he gives me that money, right? Yeah, that's what you guys are waiting for. You got to give it to him though. I mean, and when you were discussing Drake, I think it's very important to iterate that we're also discussing about. We're discussing his brand and his package, and I have to point out that it's Drake's producers, you guys, that are making this fire. And the last, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the last, uh, the his production has kind of veered into a more vintage, appreciative of the 808 classic synthesizer. Bring actually a lot of that's what's going on right now. A lot of people are bringing back like the 808 and older synthesizers in this in new sound, and. Drake, man, he's just his producers are hitting the hammer with that like uh, tropical. I hate this term, tropical house beat, because it's some bullshit. It's it. You it's, love it though. I, you do. You do. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so I'm guilty. It's like you gonna go up to the DJ like y'all got any like that tropical house? What's what's that? That that new Drake fire? That but when you, when you say that, people will be like, they know what you mean. They're like, oh, you mean like this Rihanna? Right They'll throw on one. Yeah, that's right. That's quick. right. Jamie yeah. Jamie got something to say. Rihanna is not cultural appropriation though. Everybody yeah. else is cultural appropriation. I'm yeah. Caribbean. I'm a Latina, but I'm a Caribbean. And let me tell you something, honey. That is not okay. Okay. <laughs> People are saying she's culture appropriating. No, no, she's oh. not Drake is. Oh, no, okay. The, okay. the tropical house like, thing. That's why it's like some bullshit. It's like no. Yeah, exactly. It is cultural. This is why I love Women's Wave because here we, Yessie and I are like gushing, and Jamie's in the corner like, nah. 
Fuck mm-hmm. that. Like, girl, <laughs> my vent was even a, a whole different direction. Ellie, I, I would far. also like to point out, I'd like to think that Yessie and I helped convert you onto the Drake train. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It I happened like October 2016. I, I already know. <laughs> You're like, he just doesn't okay, speak it. to my heart. I'm on the, I'm on the, what train? I, I'm not on the Drake. I like Drake. I'm not on the Drake train. I'm on the, you know what? This is going to be embarrassing to admit, but I'm on the Migos train. Hey, oh. hey. I, I feel like I'm on that train too. <laughs> I mean, like Drake's on that train too. So Drake's cool. on that train too. <laughs> it's not like so. There's a seat on our train too for you waiting, right. Jamie. Just like when, my, you, when you need some transport. If I'm getting ratchet, I don't even, I don't even think about this station, girl. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even boarding no train, like nothing. You're like you like hollow notes, right? No. Yes, like, you're, I, I know you're a hollow notes girl. Des, I'm yeah, with girl. you. Yeah. Okay, so little TMI. I like for three months I was DJing at a strip club and I had to learn all of this shit, like. I didn't know, and I I'm not at that station either. She texted me like, up. "Well, can you give me some ratchet songs for the strip club?" <laughs> I was like, "You text the right bitch." Shout out to uh, Jimbo Jenkins, by there the way. Go. So what I would do is I have a good friend who is like a ratchet DJ, like that's his job in life, and so I would just go to his mixtapes and then find songs that resonated with me off the mixtapes, and then that's that that's the shit I would shout download. out to um, all of the Jimbo Jenkins uh, mixes. Thank you. Check out the Trillis female because we still play that shit heavily in rotation. Woo! Anytime Jimmy's spinning, we more or less know that we're about to get cardio in and like shake Dude, our asses the off. I'm the yes. shit mix on Mixcloud. Anyway, <laughs> we're hyping, we're hyping Jimbo. But notes. Des, I wasn't at the station until I had to be. And honestly, it, it never really left me. Like since then, I have to know like, okay, what's the new new of that? Because it's very interesting. It's all that music. We're going, we're tangenting and we're going to, we're going to end in a second. But that music is masculine and empowerment that's why it's popular even women like the sensation of ratchet music because even though it's lyrically degrading to them they still experience that empowerment through the experience of the song itself so Migos empowers the fuck out of me I'm like ratchet music makes me feel a whole other level of I can do some shit and take over the world yeah. like yeah that's that's why I mean it's so Millions of coffees. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a little. Uh, speaking of music, Sasha Marie bringing it back. B R B. Oh 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 oh. Dream on, i 
back you are listening to a rose is a rose mix by sasha marie and that's all the time we have today does i want to thank you for joining us today yeah thank you guys for having me this was fun <laughs> thanks for being here yeah Which i liked shooting the gab in the gab i guess yeah shooting so. the shit yeah <laughs> where can we find you guys um you know, I have a blog um, that I'm still constantly working on. It's theboobsisback.com. But I mean, if you just want to like check me out, um, my handle is Des Boring. Um, that's where I kind of talk about just more about like my, you know, having my daughter with autism. But I also post really fire memes. I also like to talk about astrology and all this other weird shit. Um, it's just a variety of stuff. Oh, and I post food too. She I cook. has the most fire memes. I'm always sending them to people. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Women's Wave is recorded in the studios of KUCR Riverside. Our theme music was produced by Fabrics Music. Follow us, read our blogs, buy our merch at womenswave.com, at Women's Wave on IG, Twitter, and Facebook slash Women's Wave. Until next month, stay lazy. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Later. Shout out to Drake. <laughs> <laughs>